And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a fantastic week. Uh, great show today. I was joined by my friend Alex Sears. It's always a great time talking to Alec. Uh, we talked about uh, Joe Biden's most recent series of gaffes. We talked about the clown car of degenerates uh, that old Uncle Joe is choosing from uh, to be his running mate. Just a, no good news on that front. Just a bunch of terrifying options. Uh, and we dunked on the Chinese Communist Party. Talked about how, how evil the Chinese Communists are. It's always a great time dunking on China as well. Uh, before we get to Alec, uh, guys, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. And if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved, hit us up over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. All right. Without further ado, here's my chat with Alex Sears. <laughs> All right, guys, we're here with my friend Alex Sears. Alec, my brother, how you doing? I'm doing good, Brady. Excited to be on here for your 300th episode. Let me be the first to congratulate you, sir, on reaching 300. That's a big, big milestone. It's the uh, the big 300, so congrats on that. Absolutely. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. Episode 300. Uh, man, time really flies. <laughs> time flies. I started this podcast on a whim with a buddy three and a half years ago, and here we are, 300 episodes. Later, I mentioned this to you before we started recording, but I was looking back on, you know, just show notes for some of the early episodes, just seeing what I thought was important enough to talk about like three and a half years ago. And we did like an entire episode debating net neutrality <laughs> as, if, as if that was going to be like a consequential news story. You know, I mean, just all this stuff that we, we thought was important enough to discuss, you know, back in like 2017. It's It's hilarious. I mean, it's. The news cycle is just so insane nowadays that even stuff we thought was important a month ago was bullshit. But, yeah, it's just wild looking back on what I actually took time out of my day to talk about three years ago. It's just it's hilarious to me. Yeah, uh, three years is a long time and news you know, moves fast nowadays. But, I mean, I, I don't think I could do a, a three-year running long podcast because every time I would go back and listen to an episode I did, you know, like even two, three months ago, I just cringe way too hard so kudos to you for being able to stick it out this long oh dude i mean never listen <laughs> i i'd never listen to it myself <laughs> it's no way no, absolutely not i mean if, if uh if somebody in the audience will call me on something they'll say i i got something wrong or i got i don't have my facts straight or something i'll go back and listen to what i said and then you know correct it on on the next show if if need be but other than that i you know i don't agree with myself my own opinions from minutes ago sometimes sometimes so no man I, I the worst thing i could do i would quit if i had to like go back and just listen to old episodes oh my gosh i i couldn't handle the embarrassment i don't think but man all right a ton to discuss as always um let's just jump right into it i president trump had a, a disastrous interview with uh jonathan swan over at axios the other day on monday i believe um but anytime trump makes a fool of himself which he did um <laughs> This week, that was a, just a humdinger 
of an interview. But Joe Biden immediately has to come out and remind us that his his the inside of his skull is just a vacuous, just chasm of of nothingness. Uh, I, I just want to read um, the exact quote. Let me pull it up because it, it's it's amazing. It is tremendous. I have to get it right. Um, this is on uh, CBS News last night. Um, a reporter, uh, some journo asked him a, uh, this question. I forget the guy's name. I've never heard of him before. Some random black guy. I've never heard of him. But uh, he said, simple question to Joe Biden. Uh, have you taken a cognitive, cognitive test? And, and Biden's reply, I just have to read this word for word. Quote, this is the former vice president, quote, no, I haven't taken a test. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying to you before you got on this program, did you take a test on if you were taking cocaine or not? What do you think, huh? Are you a junkie? Unquote. So Biden asks this uh, African-American journalist if he's a if he's on cocaine after the journalist asks him if he's taken a cognitive test. Just, I, I love this. I and mean, this is tremendous. This is great stuff. Great stuff from from Joe Biden. Yeah, uh, this is, I mean, this is, isn't necessarily a Biden gaffe. It's more of just like a, what are you even talking about here? Um, and, and there's, aside from, from the quote and, you know, asserting that a newscaster is taking cocaine, which, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I mean, you never really know what's going on in New York, but, uh, I do think it's, it's kind of interesting. I've noticed a bit of a trend and I'm not ready to make any, any judgment calls on this or anything. And, have to compile some some clips and stuff, but I think I think Joe Biden gets gets a little bit uh, hipper, gets a little bit a little bit uh, jive in his in his voice and speech when when, when he's talking to uh, a black person. Uh, oh yeah, I think this oh, is yeah. something that he does, and I mean it may be conscious mm-hmm. or subconscious, but I mean he's like he's like you know come on man like you junkie like what's going on and and he does he's done a similar thing he's like. Uh, in his previous quote, you know, where he says, um, if you, you know, can't tell the difference between me and Trump, then you ain't black, you know, stuff like that. And he's <laughs> he's really trying to get, you know, some some kind of lingo in there. I'm not not ready to make any kind of like judgment call on that. But I think there may be a trend there that that some people should look into. Cough, cough, hint, hint. Yeah, I mean, this goes back years, though. It's not just Alzheimer's Joe or dementia Joe or, or whatever cognitive impairment he's currently struggling with uh i mean you know it goes back to the mitt romney wants to put y'all back in chains you know like he always has the you know the the urban accent comes out i mean he's an 80 year old white man from delaware by the way so i mean yeah (laughs) like he's not from south georgia like you know it's come on give me he's not cajun uh but yeah it goes back years man you're right it's not a gaffe it's just he just clearly forgot what he was doing like it's funny like he thought this was CBS News. Like, this wasn't Fox. Mm-hmm. This wasn't, like, Newsmax or something. Like, this guy is more than likely, I'm sure, a Biden voter that wanted to help Joe Biden through this interview. And for some reason, I mean, like, he set Joe up just to dunk on Trump, you know, because Trump was, like, bragging about, like, passing this cognitive test that, like, any eight-year-old could pass, you know? So, like, he was setting Joe Biden up to say, like, no, I didn't take a test because I don't need to. I'm not an idiot like Trump or whatever. And then the whole panel would have laughed. And, yeah, see, orange man bad. And But <laughs> Biden took that question as, like, a gotcha question. <laughs> like, it's not, like, just saying, hey, man, have you taken a cognitive test? Like, that's not a gotcha question. It's not a pointed question. But Joe thought it was and then just accused the guy of doing drugs for some reason. I mean, just the whole scenario is just, I, I love it. 
I love it. I don't I don't know what else to say. I just I, I find this extremely amusing. Well, apparently Joe did too, because uh, you know it doesn't even really come out in the quote, but through that clip, he's like laughing hysterically, like more than I've ever seen Joe <laughs> Biden laugh. So either he like knew he messed up and was just like trying to laugh it off as hard as he could, or he genuinely thought that he made like the funniest joke ever, saying that this this you know network guy you know does cocaine. <laughs> it's just, it's so weird, man. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. But uh. I mean, I think it'd probably be more racist if he uh, accused uh, the 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 journo of doing crack, um, you know. But you know, his son does crack too. I mean, yeah, it's weird. I, I think we did a whole episode about how weird it is that Hunter Biden was caught doing crack, just because he's like a rich white man. And like, I know a lot of rich white people, and they all do cocaine, but uh, never crack. But anyway, I digress. Um, look, the Democrats could have picked anybody, man. I mean, anytime Joe opens his mouth, it's like they could have picked anybody. I mean, there's, what, 100 million registered Democrats. There's probably, what, 60, 70 million registered Democrats over the age of 35. They could have picked anybody, and they gave us this. I mean, this man cannot negotiate with Vladimir Putin. Like, <laughs> this man cannot negotiate with the Chinese Communist Party. Like, come on. Like, it, that that's dangerous. Like, this is as impulsive and ridiculous and childish as, as President Trump is. And he is. Just admit it. You know, you listeners back home. But... Like, Joe Biden cannot be in the room negotiating with Vladimir Putin. Like, that cannot happen. That's not safe for the union. I mean, this is an absolute nightmare. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost strange where, like, we know Biden is, like, a patsy president, like a placeholder president, and, like, all of his underlings are going to do the work for him. But, like, it's strange to, to almost want that should he win. Like, I, I, I wouldn't want Joe Biden taking the lead on on, you know, any kind of negotiations with Russia or China or, or anyone else, really. I mean, sure, he like he knows these people from around the world because he, he's you know been vice president or whatever. But like, uh, I mean, I've heard of countries taking advantage of their friends before, especially when their friends are are maybe not 100 percent there. So um, whoever whoever Biden taps for VP is probably going to be calling a good deal of the shots. And um, I'm not fine with that because that's not how our election is supposed to work, how our how our, our government is supposed to work. And, and I think that that just kind of proves that we should be doing, you know, pretty much everything we can to prevent him from getting into office. Yeah, man, and I, I mentioned this on the last podcast, and I got a little bit of crap for it, but um, I, I'm just trying to put myself in this. I don't like going after the Democratic voters, and you know, you just you don't do that. That's probably why Hillary Clinton lost, because she called you know every Republican deplorable and irredeemable and all that. You never go after the voters; you just go after the candidate. But it doesn't say anything good about the vast majority of Democratic voters that they're okay with this strategy. I mean, they're they're openly they're they're hoping Joe wins and then either is removed from office via the Twenty Fifth Amendment or dies in office immediately or something like that or just sits there like a vegetable and lets his cabinet you know run the show. It's like that is that doesn't say anything good about the Democratic voters. Like that doesn't seem moral or reasonable to me at all. And I I, I am trying to put myself in their shoes. Mm-hmm. You know what right, I mean? Like right. I. I, I voted against Barack Obama twice. I thought he was an absolute trash president. I think he'll go down in history as a bottom eh, five or six 
president in the history of the country. I, there's no in, no scenario could I have ever voted for Barack Obama. And I get that if you're a progressive, if you're a, a far left guy, you know, you know, you just don't share any values with President Trump the same way I don't share any values with President Obama. You can't vote for Trump. Like I get it. I understand that. I'm not saying you have to vote for Trump, but like putting myself in their shoes. Let's say Mitt Romney was an 80-year-old man with dementia who could not, you know, just a vegetable, right? Just a brain-dead zombie. I wouldn't have pulled the lever for Obama, but I would have just sat out the election. At least I'd like to think I would. I'm pretty sure I would. There's no way. Like, yes, yes, I would have sat out that election. There's no way. Like, I would not have pulled the lever for just an old degenerate who can't think. Like, there's just no way. Like, I, I know that. I know it's easy for me to say now because I've never been faced with that choice. But it's like, I there's no way. <laughs> if Mitt Romney had the, the mental impairment of, of Joe Biden does in 2020, back in 2012, there's no way I would have pulled the, the lever for that man. Well, that was all pre-voting age for me. So I don't think I can speculate on that. <laughs> but, uh, right. yeah, I mean, the Democrats... Similar to 2016, they could have had Bernie, and that would have been better for them. Not necessarily better for us, because I'm I'm you know in the camp where you know I think that Bernie could have taken 2016 if he had been the nominee. Um, I think he would have beaten, gotten the better of Trump, but maybe, maybe. I mean, I, th- I think, honestly, we are lucking out as, you know, the more conservative slash libertarian side of things. We lucked out when we got Hillary and we lucked out when we get when we're getting Biden. There's a, there's a story yep. out today, I believe, maybe yesterday. Um, and I don't know if these numbers are all that reliable. However, I have no reason to doubt them where Biden's campaign has knocked a grand total of zero doors like so far in this or I think the article said in like the past week and the Trump campaign knocked a million. And, you know, whether or not that's safe or unsafe during a pandemic doesn't really matter. It's, you know, that's a zero to a million. Yeah, I, I read that article, too. I, it seems hard to believe. It seems hard to believe that Biden is doing zero grassroots campaigning. Like you'd think he'd have 18 year old interns, at least in swing states out there knocking doors. But if that's if that's true, you know, the, the Trump campaign is claiming they're knocking a million doors a month. Um, and if the Biden campaign literally hasn't started knocking doors yet, I mean, that that would be incredible yeah. if that's true. I mean, you know, if you want to observe social distancing guidelines, you can get a six foot long stick and still ring a doorbell and just talk about oh, yeah. people like it is. It's something you can do and you can do it safely you know, according to the guidelines that the CDC has set down, uh, you know, and that the fact that they're not doing it, and I would like to see what, you know, they're spending for digital, but it's like, you know, are you, are you running the Hillary campaign in 2016 where you're just expecting to win or are you running to be Trump? Well, I mean, with, with, DNC operatives floating the idea of canceling the the debates and stuff. It is definitely on a lot of people's minds in the Democratic Party that they're just, you know, they're playing prevent defense right now, trying not to lose, you know. But but I don't know. Biden says he's going to debate. So, you know, hopefully hopefully that's true. And he actually he doesn't bail on the debates. But uh, you mentioned that 
if Biden is the next president, it's probably going to be his VP and cabinet running the show. And that's pretty obvious to anybody uh, watching the developments now. But, you know, just like I mentioned that the Democrats could have given us anybody. They could have given us Bernie or whoever. I mean, they had, you know, 50 people run and and they they picked the 80 year old with Alzheimer's. I mean, Biden could pick anybody, <laughs> any Democrat over the age of 35 to be his running mate. OK. And his only stated criteria is that the candidate has to be black and has to have a vagina, which is, you know, weird. But OK, whatever. Do your thing. Democrats. Uh, Biden. Well, just side note, Biden's going to clean house with the black vote like he doesn't need help like getting the black vote. Uh, so it's just a weird move. I don't I, you know, if I were him, I would just pick, you know, the best candidate, you know, not. I don't know. I don't know why he's so obsessed with the black vote. He's going to get 90% of the black vote regardless. But he, the fact that he's narrowed it down to a few of the worst people possible is hilarious to me. I mean, I just, the judgment within the Biden campaign, it, I, I I don't know what they're thinking. He's narrowed it down to Kamala Harris, a dirty cop who is only a successful politician because she had an affair with an old man earlier in her career and who recently Botoxed her face into an, an expressionless mask. Okay. That's Kamala Harris. Karen Bass, a communist who praised Fidel Castro and Scientology for some reason. Just great stuff there. And Susan Rice, just one of the most transparently corrupt liars in American politics. Amazing. It, it, out of all the human beings that he could pick as his running mate, he's narrowed it down to these three degenerates. Just amazing stuff from the Biden campaign. Yeah, is this like... Is this the best that the Democratic Party has to offer us, like Joe Biden and Susan Rice? I mean, it's kind of looking that way right now. And and my my money is on Kamala Harris. Like, literally, I have money on her. Um, but, uh, I mean, really, whichever we get, it's not, or whichever Joe picks, it's not like, there's no win. Like, it's a, it's a lose, lose, lose between all three of them. And, and I don't even know if I would consider like not even some of the top journalists in DC aren't even considering Susan Rice a serious contender because she has so much baggage, just a ridiculous amount of baggage. And she's only known for lying, right. like her calling card. Like the, the, the thing that most Americans remember her for is lying on TV. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I, I get it that they're probably good friends and they worked together for eight years and, you know, in the Obama white house, but it's like, damn, Susan, really? Like the, the fact that she's on anybody's shortlist is just incredible mm-hmm. to me. And and Karen Bass is is a relatively unknown player on the national stage. I don't think she necessarily has the the oomph to to be a VP pick. And Kamala Kamala, I mean, she's a senator. She ran for president. You know, she's very vocal. And the reason why I think why I think it's most likely to be her is because she has just been absolutely silent since she dropped. There was like one news story where she commented on on one of the the Black Lives Matter protests, I think, and that was it. That's it. That's pretty much been it from her since since um, she dropped out of the the primary race. So I I'm really leaning into Kamala. I've got good money on it. It's not a win for anybody, uh, really. I guess it's a win for the far lefties who want to you know have their children arrested if they don't go to school, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's going to be Kamala. Yeah, I think so, too. And that, that's terrifying. I mean, she is one of the the, the worst people in American politics, uh, sincerely. I mean, she's a she's a terrifying, terrifying candidate. The, the, the fact that she could be a heartbeat away from the levers of power is oof. 
that should scare anybody. Any any anybody with a brain should be terrified at that. But I mean, it's just it's hilarious, man. Just how out of touch the Biden campaign because he probably will pick Kamala Harris. I think you're right about that. You'll probably make a little bit of cash on that. But um, <laughs> I mean, they're so out of touch with their base. It's it's hilarious. I mean, the the base of the Democratic Party are these you know these communists who are all about, you know, police reform, defund the police, you know, and all this stuff. And you'd have the author of the 94 crime bill and then the cr- the crooked cop who made her career arresting young black men for weed. <laughs> it's like, really? Like, that's that's your ticket. That is your ticket for the Democratic Party in 2020. That, that is hilarious. Like, that is, that's adorable. Yeah, they're, they're, I, they do need to figure out what their base is because, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks are, thinking that their base is the you know radicalized youth that are protesting and you know that may be the case however i've seen quite a few folks who i know to be to be centrist slash conservative leaning who are you know sometimes in support and attending these black lives matter protests whether or not they they truly understand you know the the um uh kind of political reach of black lives matter and and their true beliefs at their core whether or whether or not they know about that, or if they just, you know, kind of see an injustice, which, which I think we're all pretty much on board that, uh, oh, that there, there's, you know, there have been quite a few, um, po- police brutality cases that just should not happen. And then, you know, in some cases it's very cut and dry. I mean, I'm, we all watched the video and saw that George Floyd was, you know, pretty sure he was murdered there and we're all fairly much on board with that. And, you know, you can be, 100%. you can be a Candace Owens and you can be, say, you know, Oh, this person is, you know, such a, horrible guy he's a drug addict he's been in and out of jail and you can malign his character that doesn't matter he was still murdered um yeah i mean don't don't encourage the audience to be uh to be like candace owens yeah whatever you do in life don't 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 do that candace owens but uh never never be candace owens yeah so so i mean you know some folks are, are who you know may even lean conservative are seeing you know injustices and they're like hey you know this this isn't quite right you know we can do things to and you know there are even you know conservative measures you can take to to right those wrongs and and you know perhaps some of them should be taken um but yeah they're they're the the democratic party just doesn't understand who their base is because they're listening too much to to the protests and they're listening too much to the twitter and um you know what most people don't know is that you know only like 17 million americans are on twitter which is like a tiny fraction of the population and of those 17 million people in america who are on twitter the top 10 percent of users are responsible for a 80 percent of the content that goes out so only the top 10 percent of so 1.7 million people are responsible for 80 percent of the twitter content that we see in america and and you can actually dive deeper into those uh stats on twitter 71 percent of political posts on Twitter are on the left. Yeah. So you're talking about, you know, a, a very small percentage of Americans are on Twitter. A very small percentage of those people engage regularly. An even smaller percentage of those people post about politics and 71% of the political posts on Twitter are leftist. So it's like, they, it is funny. I think the Democrats continually make that mistake of thinking that Twitter leftism is the base of their party. Right. When it's, it's just not true. It's just not. I mean, the the facts just do not bear that out, right? And uh, so I think I think you know a lot of people talk about this silent majority, and you know the the right claims that it 
it owns the silent majority and you know sometimes the left claims they do i think that the silent majority is just quiet because they don't care all that much about politics and they're a lot more centrist than most people think yeah yeah i think that's right you know i i would guess that and i actually think um yeah i you know maybe maybe republicans are right when they they think that the silent majority will re-elect President Trump. Maybe that's true, but that doesn't mean that the silent majority is conservative. Mm-hmm. That just means they don't want to, like, defund the police, and they don't want, you know, socialism and, you know, socialized medicine. They don't want to bow down to the Chinese Communist Party. They, they don't want, like, they don't want these ridiculous, radical leftist policies. That does not mean that they're, you know, they want to build the wall. And so, you know, that doesn't mean they're, like, a trump base guy. That just means they don't want crazy Democrat policies. So it's like, I, I don't want conservatives to be, let's say the silent majority turns out and, and a real ex Trump. That doesn't necessarily mean they're like on our side as a conservative or as a libertarian. Like they don't really want, like they don't care about tax policy very much. Like they don't actually care about like who the next Supreme court justice is. You know, they just don't want like the madness. So I don't want Republican, even if it turns out true that the silent majority turns out in droves, real ex Trump, that doesn't mean they're like, you know, reading the Federalist every day and, and National Review and stuff. Like, that's not what that means. Right. You are 100% right with that, sir. So, look, let's uh, let's talk China a little bit. Let's talk China a little bit. It's been a few episodes uh, since I've uh, shit on the Chinese Communist Party, so let's jump right into that. Look, I'm a, I'm a pretty radical libertarian. Everybody listening knows that. You know, I'm a free market absolutist, but that kind of stops with China. And I've, I've really kind of changed my opinion uh, regarding China uh, pretty drastically over the last two or three years. Um, I, I, I'm done. I'm, I'm done with the CCP. I'm done with China. I, there has been a couple positive notes on the China front in the, in the past couple months. One, new Gallup polling shows that the vast majority of Americans have a negative view of China uh, as opposed to only about 20%. A decade ago. So that's that's a big step in the right direction. Um, that's something to keep our eyes on. Also, Trump is talking about unilaterally banning TikTok, TikTok which is clearly a security threat. Uh, it's it's a company owned by the Chinese Communist Party. Look, I, I, you guys know me. I'm, I'm typically against the president unilaterally doing anything. But screw the Chinese Communist Party. Screw TikTok. Ban it. Ban it all. Go for it. Go for it, Donnie. Let's do it. Let's have some fun. Yeah, communists turn everybody into neocons, Brady, I tell you. Dude, it's crazy, man. Me, yeah. me, your boy, is saying this. Come on. Well, welcome welcome to the uh, to the club. Uh, as, as you know, I hope everyone knows by now, I truly hate China. Uh, well, the Chinese Communist Party. Let's, let's you know, be clear. A lot of people tend to call me on that, but um, most of my China hate goes on Twitter where I don't always want to say Chinese Communist Party every time so i just colloquially refer to them as china um anyway now that we've got the disclaimer out of the way yeah nobody really was picking up on like just the horrible things china is is kind of doing within their own borders and also like the manipulations around the world uh until trump really kind of put a spotlight on them uh and that happened you know 2015 2016 during the campaign where you know it came out with the china China, if you get stealing all of our, our steel, um, and and just kind of took 
um, took him to task. And that really got a lot of people's attention in the same way he did the exact same thing with immigration. However, I think he has a lot, you know, more uh, sympathetic listeners when it comes to China. Because, yeah, yeah China, China, they don't practice free, free trade. Like we say, oh, like us trading with China, it's free trade. It's not free trade. They are officially lower their prices because they can, you know, government subsidize any company they want to. So they can just consistently underbid American companies no matter what. Because the Chinese Communist Party is just going to give them free labor and then, like, you know, just bolster up whatever company they want to. So that's why they can afford to make, you know, and, and they cut corners and they steal American IP right. and, and all this stuff. Cheap steal, you know, stolen IP. They sell us, you know, like a crazy amount of our, our, our technical products. iPhones are made in China. Um, uh, all these things. Your router, your Internet router is made in China. If you, you think TikTok is scary. I can 100% guarantee you that like 50% of all routers that come out of China at least have some kind of backdoor in them. We've seen that 100%. Chinese, we've seen that, you know, motherboards that come out of China that go into server farms have hidden backdoors in them and have been hidden there for years and no one's quite sure how they got there and there's no, you know, there's no record of it and they are able to transmit data these backdoors. Um, so I think, you know, on top of banning TikTok, which I'm for, not only because it's a terrible platform, but also because it is, you know, owned by the Chinese. And if, if, you know, Microsoft wants to get involved and can, and can, you know, take complete control of that company, you know, good for Microsoft, as long as, you know, we can get some folks in there and absolutely verify that they're not, you know, sending that, that information to, to the Chinese Communist Party. Cause that's what this is about. It's not about a company collecting your data. It's the fact that, that the Chinese Communist Party now has access to it, to Americans' data. It's different if, you know, you as American, uh, you know, accept the terms and agreements and allow Facebook to take all your data. You agree to that. That's a contract. The terms and agreements are a contract that you sign, and you are letting them take your data. So if an American company is doing it and they're not sharing that data with the Chinese Communist Party, that's one thing. Um, so, you know, good luck to Microsoft. See if they can, they can you know, take, make, make that deal. But otherwise, yeah, I think that it should you know, absolutely be banned. And I think, you know, to go a step farther, I think that most tech that comes out of China should have some kind of warning label on it of, hey, this, you know, your data may not be secure on this device, especially routers, especially Internet routers. Yes, um, and, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's something super simple. Just just a warning label. Hey, this device may send your information to the Chinese Communist Party. This device may be monitoring your Internet activity. Um yeah, I mean, I think that's a fantastic idea, and I think that would help, you know, wake up a lot of Americans too if they had to see a warning label like that on on <laughs> all of these all of these items they buy. It might, you know, start to wake people up. But like, man, I think, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised, obviously, at this point. But the press, the American press, is is just full on printing unabashed Chinese propaganda at this point. I mean, it is like I. I don't think it's overstating this to say that the press officially sides with the CCP over the United States of America. I mean, yesterday in the Washington Post, man, the Washington Post yesterday. This is this is a straight news piece, by the way. This is not in their opinion section. This is in their hard news section. This is the headline. Quote, Trump views China's Communist Party as a threat. Young Chinese view it as, <laughs> oh, <come on. laughs> as a ticket to a better future. Unquote. Really? Really, like you cannot print that unless you're a communist. Like that's like that is straight up 
communist propaganda. Of course, young Chinese people are going to say that, oh, no, the CCP is a ticket to a better future. Yeah, because they'll be dead if they don't say that. Yeah. They have a social credit score system in communist China. Like, they are slaves. I mean, they, they, they're a slave state. They literally enslave every single one of their 1.3 billion citizens. Okay, like, the Washington Post, you can't, that's not a mistake. It's not an error. It's not, oh, we shouldn't have printed it. Like, that is, you do not print that. You do not print that in your publication unless you are a communist organization. Right. And on top of that, I mean, you know, a young, smart Chinese person would say, hey, here is this communist party that holds literally every iota of power in this nation of 1.2 billion people. Maybe I should try and get some of that. I mean, that's you know, kind of a no brainer. But on top of that, who is providing these young Chinese people to the press to get these quotes in the oh. first place? Clearly, of course. You know, the Chinese Communist Party, because they, you know, there is no such thing as freedom of the press in China. They may claim that they have it, but no, that's that's a load of bull. The New York Times yesterday also started uh, quietly scrubbing propaganda <laughs> paid for by the Chinese Communist Party from their website. Just incredible stuff. I mean, it's you know, obviously, the the Times has always loved communism. You know, they they sent reporters to Moscow in the 60s to say, you know, we've seen the the future and it works, you know, praising the Soviet Union and stuff. But, of course, just right on cue for the New York Times, of course they were taking money from the Chinese communists. Uh, now they're, they're quietly trying to scrub their site from of, of all the Chinese propaganda. But I see what you're doing, New York Times. I mean, I, our press, man. I mean, every day. I mean, we talk about the press on every episode just about, but it's like mm-hmm. they hit a new low every day. I mean, they, it's like every single day. They wake up and they make sure they hit a new low ethically and morally. It's just incredible stuff. Uh, wh- one last thing before I let you go, man. Um, just totally off topic, but uh, one piece of fantastic news. I mean, you know, a lot of negative stuff going on today, but gun sales were up 133% in July. Yeah, you- absolutely love to see it. That's great. 133%. Dude, that's a lot of guns, man. <laughs> that's a lot of guns, brother. Yeah, that's that's great news. And actually, you know, uh, so I recently uh, moved back to Ohio temporarily. I was in a motorcycle accident, so uh, um, I have a busted knee, busted leg. And uh, uh, this weekend was the first time I was able to actually kind of use both legs to walk, and I was getting around on crutches. So I decided, of course, what do you do when you can walk? You go to Field and Stream. So I went to Field and Stream to, to check it out, see if you know maybe get some, some ammunition or everything. Uh, just sold out, completely sold out. Of just oh, dude, everything. It's crazy. I mean, shelves were just wiped. They didn't have like a. They had, I think, like three handguns left in their display case. And, oh my god! Uh, so yeah, I mean, people are cleaning out the shelves, which is phenomenal. You love to see it. It's good for for the gun industry. Um, it's good for for the health of America. Um, you know, coronavirus and and the the protests and you know everything this summer has just kind of put to rest any kind of second amendment argument you want to have um it's just done oh yeah you know the gun uh, debate's over it, it's long gone yeah. yeah um so great news for us um but i do just want to want to say to all those new gun owners out, out there if they're listening in and just you know if you hear of a friend that's get buying a gun please 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 tell you know first-time gun owners get some kind of training even yes. if that training is you know watching you know a couple of 15 minute long YouTube videos or, you know, just, just going out and practicing at a range. Um, please get training. Um, if you don't feel comfortable, do it super comfortable doing on your own, do it supervised with someone who knows what they're doing. Um, you know, firearms are, 
are, are, are right to have. They're a fantastic time. They can be fun. You know, it's, it's sporty, but they are dangerous and accidents do happen. So, um, please, please, please tell your friends, neighbors, anyone who is a first time gun owner, um, um, to get some kind of training and, uh, and, and also, you know, it doesn't hurt to, to do remind them of, of concealed carry laws that do exist. Um, and, you know, you can have an argument of whether or not they should exist at a different time. But, you know, try to encourage new time first time gun owners to to do obey the firearm laws just so they don't have any issues down the road. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, man, the, the local uh, fish and hunt shop here in Toledo that I always go to, the tackle shop that, that you know, I usually get my ammo from and everything, do get cleaned out. They had like a couple boxes of birdshot. <laughs> I mean, no nine, no two, two, three, nothing, man. Like it was just absolutely cleaned out. It's it's crazy. I mean, they can't stock their shelves fast enough. Like it's, it's incredible stuff. But yeah, absolutely. Please, everybody, take Alex' advice. Get some training, basic stuff. Learn how to shoot. Learn how to shoot straight. Learn basic trigger discipline. I mean, learn how to clean your gun, assemble, disassemble your gun. Like, just the basics. Please don't be an idiot out there, guys. Especially first-time gun owners. Don't be an idiot. Man, I'll tell you what. uh, I'm disappointed in myself. I was trying to find a way to use the term leg to stand on this entire episode, (laughs) and I failed. (laughs) I was like, I'm trying to think of, like, how do I work in so-and-so doesn't have a leg to stand on here, and I couldn't do it. Trying to take you made it out the entire episode without me making a leg reference, man. It's a it's a damn shame, Alec. Well, there's always next time. There's always next time, brother. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, man. I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Uh, where can everybody uh, follow you online and keep in touch and all that good stuff? Yeah, yeah. You folks can find me on Twitter at Alec underscore Sears. Everybody follow Alec. He's great. Uh, yeah, man. Praying for you, brother. Hopefully uh, your recovery is quick and painless. And uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Uh, That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks.